0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. We are continuing on with our random intros, and thought I'd change it up just a little bit. See how this one suits your fancy. What a suits your fan? What would that possibly mean? What what could that mean? I wonder. I don't know. But uh, welcome to the welcome to the, uh, the the podcast about about the Packers. This is about the Packers. Welcome and thank you for joining me. So good to be here. I'm in a fantastic mood. I just went and checked out the grocery store right by my new house. It is fantastic. I wasn't gonna go there because I'm like, there's a butcher over here. The ba 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 Nope, forget that. This grocery store is amazing. Prices are awesome. They got great meat selections. They got prime. They got the whole nine yards. They've even got those lots of mozzarella pizzas. I don't know if you've tried that, but they're amazing. Um, they had them, and I'm like, oh sweet, I'll pick one of these up because my wife loves these. And then I turn the corner. You ever do that where you, like, grab something, then you turn the corner and they got a better option? It's like, dang it. I turn the corner. They have First of all, they have different options of lots of matzah that I've never seen. And I, I've seen them at every grocery store I go to. They had, like, a buffalo chicken lots of matzah. They got all kinds of crazy stuff. Not only that, they got extra large lots of matzahs. Extra large. It doesn't fit in my freezer, but I bought it anyway, so I'm not entirely sure what to do about that. I guess that's what's for dinner. But... Um, Anyways, that was an exciting experience. And then I stopped at the Ace Hardware because, so I go online, there is um, this Killer Hog rub that I like, and, and there was on their website, like, let's, you know, you can go buy it locally. Three places in Wisconsin where you can buy it. One of them just happens to be the Ace Hardware right next to my house in the middle of nowhere. So I go walking in there and sure enough, they, all my favorite stuff that I've been wanting to get, Meat Church, bunch of different kinds um, that I've been looking at buying online and ordering. They just got it there, so I went and grabbed me some post oak pellets. Obviously, I don't I don't have a stick burner, and uh, got me some killer hog and a couple other things that I've been wanting to do. The holy gospel uh, meat church stuff. Picked up some chicken, some pork, and some some beef, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna make a have a good time with it. But anyways, all that to say, I'm in a fantastic mood. I am recording this early so I can get this done, so I can focus on grilling and then hopefully watching another Marvel movie with the kid. We are, uh, by the way, for those interested, we just watched Winter Soldier, and we're going in order of release, which I'm glad that we're doing that. I hated that idea. Every, most people suggested that. I'm like, I don't like that. I like going in chronological order. It just makes more sense. But you gotta remember they order, they put them in order for a reason, and there's certain little things that uh, you gotta, I don't know, you know, they leave little breadcrumbs for you and stuff. But anyways, uh, on the docket, Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's what we're going to be doing. I'm, I'm just, I'm excited. Great day. Great. Little hot, little toasty, but um, very good day. So um, kind of, uh, I don't want to say big news, but it's been circulating. As far as the off season goes, we're going to go ahead and, and take some liberties and call this big news. But uh, most notably, the article came via Mike Florio. Aaron Rodgers does indeed have an opt-out silver bullet for 2021. Let me read this uh, as written here. I'll just read this whole paragraph. The letter agreement between the NFL and NFL Players Association from Tuesday of this week does indeed grant broad powers to all players to opt out of the 2021 season, regardless of whether they opted out in 2020 or whether they have been diagnosed with a high-risk condition since October 1st, 2020. So this is similar to the COVID opt-out last year, but they're basically saying, we're just going to do it again. If you don't want to play, that's cool. I don't really know why, but I don't know. I don't know if it has to do with COVID or if they're just like, let's just do it again. It was was cool. I don't know. Just an agreement they came to. Continuing. Although such players would be entitled to no stipend for 2021, any player who executed his most recent contract before October 1st, 2020 can indeed opt out voluntarily, no questions asked, as to motivation or qualification or possible ulterior motive. In other words, I hate to use this parallel because it's going to make people mad but it's just a reality. It's kind of like those signs on the door that are like, hey, everybody that's vaccinated doesn't have to wear a mask, but if you're not, you're not allowed to. And it's like, you know, people that aren't vaccinated are probably just going to be like, "It's, uh, yeah, got it, cool, anyways. And they're just going to go in anyways. So it's like, you know, maybe we're setting this up for a reason, but we're also not going to ask about your reason. So it doesn't matter. goes on to say, this includes most notably Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. By next Friday, July 2nd, he can pull the plug on the 2021 season. It would be a permanent and irrevocable decision, but he can do it, which I do think is a little bit different. I remember last year, I think there was something about you could opt out and then there was like a period in which you could choose to come back and after that it was done. I don't exactly remember, but according to this, once you make that decision, you're done for the year. Anyways, continuing on. The benefit to doing so comes from the fact that he would not forfeit $11.5 million in unearned signing bonus money for 2021 if he opts out. Also, he presumably would still receive the payments on the $6.8 million roster bonus that he earned in March and that is due to be paid out in weekly installments during the season. So it, he already earned the 6.8, and he doesn't have to pay that back. And there's $11.5 million that he would be losing, but based on this, if he chooses to opt out, he would be able to save. Goes on to say that's $18.3 million that he'll keep by opting out if he doesn't opt out but holds out, he loses that $18.3 million. So, in other words, this changes the dynamic by $18.3 million that he was expected to lose if he opts out. Now he has a way to opt out and save that $18.3 million. It says, and would be fined roughly $2 million on top of it for skipping training camp. Um, does go on to say the problem with opting out is that it does require a fairly quick decision and the decision cannot be changed. But if Rodgers truly is thinking about staying away for all of 2021, there are 20.3 million reasons for making a final and binding decision in the next seven days. I don't know. I guess 18 plus two. Oh, right. Because you're not skipping training camp if you opt out. Got it. So it's $20.3 million in total savings. All right. So I think the the big concern by a lot of people, um, the, the big spin by a lot of the media and concern by Packers fans is... The Packers just lost all their leverage, right? The Packers lost their leverage. They used to be able to say, if you sit out, you're going to lose all your money. Now he doesn't lose any of his money, so now he's got all the power. Now the Packers are powerless. Now they're doomed. I don't think that's true at all. First of all, let me read you this by Mr. Ken Ingles, the uh, uh, resident Green Bay Packers salary cap guru. He says on Twitter, I still need to see the new side letter, uh, 2021 opt-outs, but if it's anything like the 2020 opt-outs contract, if Rodgers went this route, which is unlikely, the Packers would get $29.9 million of cap relief this season and would still control the contract three more years after 2021. So in other words, he doesn't save all his money. He's still losing a boatload of money, or at least the Packers would retain uh, a, a bunch of money. So they would still get relief. Because essentially what's happening, and this is important on two levels, is that we're not canceling the season. We're pushing it back a year. To be completely honest, I think the Packers would love this. I mean, aside from him just coming back, but think about this. First of all, if he's opting out, it, it saves Rodgers' contract from being voided, but it also saves the Packers from having to pay him. I mean, that you know, again, they still have to pay out the bonuses that are already supposed to be paid out to him. And he's obviously not going to get any fines or anything like that. But they're not paying his contract because we're basically pausing it and we're rolling it over into next year. So what that would look like essentially is that he would choose not to play. We would press pause on his contract. So he has three years, which would run from 2021, 2022, and 2023. Now it goes 2022, 2023, and 2024. The Packers get another year of control of Aaron Rodgers. On top of that, what happens is Jordan Love plays this year. We get one entire year to evaluate Jordan Love and decide what we want to do with Aaron Rodgers. If Jordan Love is terrible, guess what? We get three more years of Aaron Rodgers. Plus, we get to move Aaron Rodgers into more tenable territory because as we push it back, we push it back into, into times when we don't exactly have as much stress under our cap. A big part of the reason... Next year is expected to be such a massive problem, is because that's when a lot of people, especially Aaron Rodgers' contract spike. That's no longer the case if we push everything back next year. So we get cap, massive cap relief this year. We get a giant relief next year because Rodgers isn't going to be forty million dollars against the cap. He's going to be I don't know thirty million or whatever he is. So that's about ten million in savings next year. And again, we st- we get a full year to evaluate Jordan Love. We can we can say okay he's. Good, but he's not quite there yet, so we get another year of rep- And then we, we're back here all over again. I think this is a terrible option for Rodgers because it pauses everything. His, his greatest weakness right now, and I talked about this a little bit before, is his time. That's his greatest, I don't want to say his greatest asset because it's not something that he has that he can use, but it's something of massive value to him. He only has so many years left, and he's essentially giving the Packers a free year. And he's losing a year because the Packers aren't going to say, oh, shucks, let's trade him. Plus, by the way, if he gets traded, he's opted out. So they can trade him and he's like, oh, I want to play again. Nope, sorry, you opted out. There's no coming back. So he loses a year with that team also. So, you know, and again, we're talking about we're talking about not a huge amount of money. I think it's more beneficial to the Packers than it is Rogers. And it's not really a big slap in the face like, ha-ha, you can't take my money. Dude, the Packers get to save all the money anyways. This would, be, this would be a massive, awesome thing for the Packers. Th- this would be best-case scenario for the Packers outside of him coming back would be him opting out, and it would be a terrible situation for Rodgers because, again, yeah, he doesn't lose all that money this year, but, we're, again, we're just he does lose money, number one. He loses some money, and then we push it back a year. So he loses a year of his life that he could be earning money, and he gives the Packers another year of control. And next year, we're in the exact same position all over again. He's he's basically reliving 2021 all over again. Same contract situation. Same amount of money going into the season. He's just had, trying to earn that money that he paused last year. And so what's he going to do? He's going to sit out, and the Packers are going to say, no, we're not trading you. And then what? So it does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. It's, it's no different than if we traded Aaron Rodgers, except we didn't trade Aaron Rodgers. We get to keep him. We get all the, all the relief and we get to evaluate Jordan Love and we get to keep Aaron Rodgers. That, that is the absolute best case scenario outside of Aaron Rodgers saying, never mind, I'm coming back. So um, I would be all for it, but I don't see any reason for Aaron Rodgers to exercise that whatsoever. Over like 11 million bucks or something or, or, or 20, uh, 20.3 in total. But some of it is bonus money that I think he would have probably kept anyways. I don't know. So I, I'm not worried about it at all. And I don't think it really makes a lot of sense for Aaron Rodgers to do that. I mean, I, I get on a very simplistic level, he doesn't lose that money. But again, he's not earning the money either. He gets the bonus money, whatever. he get that anyways if, if he just come back. But again, the point is we're resetting this all over again. And the Packers get another year, and it's just, it's just, it doesn't do anything for him. It's certainly, if, if it were more of a slap in the face to the Packers, I would say there's a chance. But it's just not. It is a, it would be a huge Huge benefit for the Packers if he did that. Not again, not only because of the savings, but because it's savings and we push everything back a year. So we get to shift his contract back one more year. So, you know, just picture his contract like a a massive hill where we're on like a low part. Next year is a massive spike and then we start coming back down again. That spike is lined up at a terrible time. If we shift that one year, next year, which is a terrible time period, becomes a lot better because his spike. Is a lot later, and this year's contract becomes next year's contract, and it would be beautiful for, for the Packers. But again, very little chance that that ends up happening. But if it does, it does. I mean, then then, then it's it's no different than what happened with uh, Funches. I mean, obviously, it's different because it's Funches and not Rogers. But it's a similar situation in that it's like, all right, he's just taking a break, and the next year we pick up right where we left off for this year. And for all the people that are upset because we're almost out of out of time with Aaron Rodgers, guess what? We just got a one year contract extension for Aaron Rodgers, and it cost us nothing. He just agreed, hey, I'm just, I'm going to take a year off, and then I'm going to give you an additional year at the end. And as my contract goes up, because remember, the salary cap goes up every year. So that's a massive benefit too, because yeah, he gets more expensive as time goes on, but we have more money as time goes on. I, I, again, number one, please come back. If not, please, for the love of all things holy, for some stupid reason, please opt out. Do me a massive favor. But uh, yeah, I I don't, I don't think, definitely don't worry about it, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Anyway, shifting off of that, there was one other comment I got just recently from Miss Lori on Twitter um, about what I had talked about yesterday in regards to having an owner and why I'm not a big fan of it. Another great point that she brought up, she says, "Um, there's a good chance anyways, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but you got to remember, there's a real good chance if we get an owner, they may look to move us out of the Green Bay market. Now, you'd say that's ridiculous, it's a historic thing, all that. It, I don't think they care. Obviously, it depends who it is. Like, if you get a massive Packers fan, you know, for some, like, a uh, the guy who owns Culver's or Kessler or whatever, right? Some giant Wisconsin company, and he wants to buy the Packers. Yeah, he, he might look at it and say, I just want to run this team and do a great job and all that. But at the end of the day, if you're buying this as an investment, the value, it's like, think about it this way. Not that I want to live in California, but if I'm buying a home that's an investment, imagine if you could buy your home, my house, let's just say a house in Waukesha, Wisconsin. If I could just pick it up and move it to Los Angeles, California, my house just went from $300,000 to probably about $4.5 million, just like that. Now, it's not a direct parallel, but there's a reason, despite the fact that nobody in L.A. gives a, you know what, about football they keep putting football teams there it's a massive market it's humongous there's so much money to be made in los angeles california same with new york it's it's an investment it's not because the people of la are just dying for a fan for a, for a football team right there's all kinds of smaller communities and smaller states that would love you know south dakota would probably love to have a football team nobody cares they're not getting one ever So yeah, I think that's another great point. Um, Don't want an owner, don't need an owner. Uh, We need somebody to be put on a salary, pay him handsomely and say your only job is to make this team fantastic. That's it. I love that arrangement. I don't ever want that arrangement to change. Find the most qualified person to be the CEO of the Green Bay Packers to do nothing but obsess about the Green Bay Packers 24-7. Whatever it costs to do that, let's do that. This is not an investment. This is not how can you personally make the biggest amount of money. This is not how you can uh, further your own career or your own success or your own um, whatever. This is just about you serving the Packers, not the Packers serving you. That's probably the best way I can sum that up. Mark Murphy serves the Packers. Owners have teams serve them. So not wanting to rehash that. I just thought that was a great point and I wanted to bring that up. Um... Why don't, we, why don't we just take a break? I feel like this was a great start, kicking it off with a bang, and I want to kind of transition from here. So we'll take a little bit of a break. Again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. It would be wildly, greatly appreciated. Something else I was thinking about um, in college, again, and actually in high school is where it came from, but uh, had the nickname GK, several people referred to me as Big G, which was pointed out to me. G and obviously Packers, there's some link there. Big G, nickname slash Packers. I'm just saying. I, I should check. I'm sure Big G is not available for Twitter, but I should uh, look into that. It's funny because I'm I'm basically just like a, a never-ending midlife crisis. Just needing to unnecessarily tear down things that I've built and rebuild it because I'm just bored with everything. <laughs> I know. Let's restart my Twitter account. I just really want to, like really bad. If you can't tell, the heck is Media Studio? What is this? What is Twitter Media Studio? the heck am I looking at here? Anyways, you don't need to be a part of this. I'll explore this in my own time. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. All right, kicking it off with some questions here. These are a little bit older, but uh, we'll we'll pick up where we left off. Um, Garrett says, who are the best players we haven't heard much about that should make the 53-man roster? My favorite choices are Winfrey and Uphoff. It's a tough question because it sounds like an objective statement that they are good players, um, but when you mention should make the 53, we're primarily talking about people that we haven't really seen, so we don't know for sure if they're good, but um, we'll take the more subjective route, I guess, or I don't know. I don't know what we'll do. But the first one that comes to mind, and I've kind of talked about it before, is Devin Funches. I think we forget that he's a good football player, and and I, I don't necessarily mean elite, but... but Like I have said before, he's, at least as far as his career has gone, been at least as good as Alan Lazard, and I would argue better. Slightly, but better. So, um, again, we've got Amari in the slot. We've got Lazard, who we know we like. We've got MVS, who's a certain flavor. I think we just consistently forget that Devin Funchess was, for many years, a number one receiver on a team. He was also a very good number two with a on a team that had a quarterback that kind of struggled a little bit. And um, I mean, he has the potential to be that Matt LaFleur, big body, you know, kind of like an Alan Lazard box out kind of a guy, um, tight end slash wide receiver type of guy that could possibly be an Alan Lazard upgrade. Now, I don't know if he's ever really going to be quite as good of a true blocker as Alan Lazard, but as, you know, doing the receiving end while still being that style of wide receiver, I think he can be a better receiver than Alan Lazard. Um, so that that guy comes immediately to mind as somebody that we just never think about. I think it's because we're excited about Devontae and, and the running backs and everything else, and we just don't really care about the wide receivers. And when we do, we throw props to MVS and Lazard and all those guys, but nobody cares about Funches. And I don't expect him to be elite, but I'm saying, again, if we're just going off PFF, he's graded out higher than every other wide receiver we've had, pretty consistently every single year. And that ain't a bad thing. Kind of going off subjective, one guy that I think should be probably talked about a little bit more is Royce Newman. I would almost say I'm higher than 50% that he ends up being a starter at some point. Um, Whether that's taking Lucas Patrick's spot at right guard or possibly taking the right tackle spot, kicking Billy inside. Especially with David Bakhtiari being out for a while, that's going to give him a lot of opportunity to really play anywhere from left guard, right guard, and right tackle. And I genuinely think the Packers like him. They've been moving him all over the place um, to see where he fits, and it just seems like they really like him and really feel like he's going to be a good fit for the team. Um, so I, I actually expect him, not you know, it's not 100%, but I would say like 55% that uh, Royce ends up starting somewhere along the offensive line and probably maintains that. I mean, he's got a lot of competition, you know, whether it's Turner, Patrick, Runyon, um, Van Lannen, uh, Stepniak, even a lot of the other. I mean, even you know John Dietzen and some other guys that could possibly pop out of nowhere. But um, I think Royce, just based on how much usage he's gotten and how excited the Packers seem to be about him, I think they're really trying to put him in a spot to succeed. Uh, you all know how I feel about Deguara. I think he flies massively under the radar. Uh, I do think he's going to have a pretty pivotal role. He's really the only guy that fits that one specific role that Matt LaFleur wants for the uh for a, you know, again, there's three kinds of of tight ends and he is 100% that one style and there's really nobody else that's like him. So, he's the guy by default whether we like it or not and I I do like it. I mentioned yesterday Kylan Hill, I would definitely keep an eye out for him. You know, I'm a big Dexter fan and I I want him to succeed. I've, I've liked him since day 1. I like his speed and all that, but um, definitely keep an eye out for Kylan, especially as a complimentary number three running back. I actually I think there's a pretty good chance, and we gotta remember uh Patrick Taylor is also in the conversation, but I think there's a good chance you get Jones, Dylan, Dexter, and Kylan that make the uh the final the final roster. Um I, I think defensively you gotta you gotta look at Kingsley Kiki. I don't think I'm quite as optimistic as a lot of people, but there's definitely some potential there's been talks about a couple different things um, whether it's some off-season kind of issues that he's had or injuries that he's had or whatever it is there's there's plenty of reason to believe that uh, there are excuses and that he may be able to we may be able to see him at his best in in the near future obviously TJ Slayton another fifth round pick that we took he's going to be playing I don't know to what degree I am excited about him again I don't need him to be a lot of people are like oh you don't get it man he's super athletic he can get a ton of sacks it's like Look, he's a fifth-round pick. If he can just be a stud run defender, I'm not going to be greedy. That, to me, is a massive success, and I'm excited about him potentially being just that. Um, If you're talking flies under the radar, you know, he doesn't fly under the radar on this podcast, but Kamal Martin, definitely never talked about, really talented football player. I did talk a lot about Isaiah McDuffie. I don't expect him to do a ton, but I expect him to make the roster, or he could be practice squad, I guess. I mean, he'll be around, but I'm very excited to see what he can do. I loved what I saw from him as far as his college tape, and, and again, it's not just, you know, because I'm some homer and I always like, no, I hadn't, I, I watched Ty Summers' college tape, I didn't like it. I watched Doran Burks, I didn't like it. I watched Chris Barnes, I didn't like it. I watched Isaiah McDuffie, I liked it a lot. I watched Kamal Martin, I hated it. <laughs> Hey, to this day, I go back and watch. It's like, okay, you know you like him in the pros now. I'll go back and watch him in college. Like, no, still sucks. Hate him. Um, here's a name. And do I really expect a lot from him? No, but he kind of, he's one of those guys that kind of flashed, but then he kind of got buried because you've got your main guys, right? On the edge, you got Rashawn, you got Preston, you got Zadarius. Good amount of people talk about Jonathan Garvin, and I do think he's kind of next man up. But don't forget, Tip Galea is a really interesting prospect. He is a really small guy that doesn't fit the mold at all, at least in terms of the Mike Pettin pass rusher. But even Mike Pettin liked him as a real small, real speed bend kind of guy that also has that drop and cover and all that kind of stuff. And um, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, and some of these guys they may end up getting cut. We don't really know what exactly is going to happen with him, but but it is interesting because he kind of showed up, you know, last year in, in in spurts here and there. And I remember I was even looking at at Galea and thinking, there's no way. He does not fit the Packers prototype at all. Even uh, Dom Capers, who was fine with sort of the speed bend guys like Clay Matthews, you know, the smaller um, type, true outside linebacker types, even he would look at Tippa and be like, hey, he's too small. But he showed up and he he made some some big plays, I remember. So that, that'll be an interesting, not that I expect a lot, but it'll be interesting, especially since there's a lot of questions once you get behind the big three, and you start talking about Preston possibly leaving and being uncertain about Zedarius' future, um, you kind of start scrambling to see what's going to pop up. It'll be interesting to see if he can make a name for himself. Corner, I don't have much. I think Kadar's kind of being a little bit overlooked. Not that I was really a huge fan of his, but you know, a lot of people are excited about Josh Jackson possibly taking a step. Shamar, um, you know, a lot of hype about him. Eric Stokes being excited about him. Kadar is kind of being left in the lurch, and, and I think he's in contention possibly for that Chandon Sullivan slash Shamar Jean Charles spot, um, you know, playing for that slot position maybe. And then obviously safety. I think I think you got to find that number three guy. It can't be Will Redman forever. So Vernon Scott's going into year two. Um, the questioner mentioned Uphoff, who's a safety. There's a bunch of other guys, but it's a wide open competition for whoever's going to step up. Especially since we haven't really invested in a linebacker. You know, if we had invested in a real talented linebacker, then you'd say he's just going to be that number three guy. But we haven't, so it's really a wide open position for somebody to be able to cover. You know, I mean, if you can play safety and you've even got a little bit of potential to go up and play linebacker, play slot, whatever, be that show that kind of versatility, you got yourself a job now. First and foremost, for guys like this, positions like this, you want to find guys that are showing up on special teams. But once they can do that, then then it's about you know making moves. So just a couple names that as I'm looking through the roster that come up that I think of. There are, there are plenty of others that you can be a fan of for this reason or that reason. But those are the ones that come to my mind. Um, I probably should skip this one because it's not really my territory. But we'll touch on it a little bit. Jerry says Lafleur came through McVeigh's system. And is supposedly a mentor or stronger influence, obviously. But are there big differences between the offensive schemes of each team now? Has LaFleur branched into something of his own? No question. Um, first of all, he and McVeigh both came through the Shanahan system, and, and not even Kyle Shanahan, it was Mike Shanahan. Kyle was an offensive coordinator. So back in Washington, Kyle was an offensive coordinator. LaFleur was a quarterback coach, and McVeigh was a tight ends coach. And so he was. He worked under a lot of people, with a lot of people. He ended up working with uh, Sean over in uh, for the Rams. But yeah, I think every, I mean even McVeigh's offense has changed. You know, McVeigh in you know 2018 compared to 2020, it's different because it has to be. You go based on the the style of your offense, and that's true of Shanahan, McVeigh, and Lafleur. Even though the principles are there, there there are, are core principles. You have to be able to adapt to what you have. So, for example, if you have Jared Goff compared to Aaron Rodgers, that changes what you do. And so, and let me put it this way: If Lafleur and McVay switched, I think Lafleur's offense would start to look more like McVay's offense, and McVay's offense would start to look like Mc, uh, whatever Lafleur's. <laughs> I got confused where I left off. Not identical, but but again, you tailor the principles to the team that you have available to you. What does your offensive line look like? Is it is it a, an athletic offensive line like you'd like it to be, or are they not quite there yet? How's your quarterback? Is he the kind of guy that can take over a game, or is he a game manager? How are your wide receivers? Are you so, so in L.A., for a long time at least, when they were at their peak, they had a very good offensive line, especially their two tackles. Maybe the best tackle duo at that time, probably, what, 2018-ish? Goff was a game manager, and they had a really good core group of receivers and a good running back. So they relied heavily on the scheme and scheming open these really talented wide receivers. The quarterback had plenty of time with the offensive line, so as a game manager, it was a perfect system to be in, and they could lean on their running back a little bit to kind of take over in spots. The Packers, and again, even the Packers have evolved. If you look at year one, the, uh, the talent is there, right? You've got an elite wide receiver. You've got maybe the best quarterback in football. You've got an unbelievable running back. You've got a really talented offensive line you've got all the dynamics maybe not perfect right you don't have exactly the tight ends you want you don't have exactly the offensive line you want you'd like maybe some different you'd like your amari rogers who you don't have you like your Alan lazard who you didn't quite be have built out yet so you're not exactly where you want it to be but you've got all these great players so the problem is you don't they don't have the knowledge so you can't unload your whole playbook like you'd like to having this much talent so you just kind of lean on raw talent you simplify the offense you don't get into the full complexity of your offensive system. And, and it, it's kind of like I said, it, it kind of looked like a Shanahan and McCarthy hybrid because you're kind of letting them just do what they did before, which is just let the players shine through with the talent that they have. Now, as they start to understand this system a little more, you lean a little bit more on the scheme and it really starts to enrich this offensive system. Because you've still got the talent, but now you're adding all these wrinkles, and you're adding all the depth of of just intelligence and and and, uh, and trickery, right? I mean, if you can just beat somebody with raw talent, that's good as it is. But if you're outthinking them and outplaying them, they're in a lot of trouble, and you're starting to see that unravel. And as things change, you have to consistently adapt. If you you know now we've got a slot receiver, the amount of things we can do with that are incredible. You know, having a Josiah deGuara, you can add wrinkles to this. And and they play off of each other. When you've got two backs, like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and you can put Josiah over here, and you've got Amari over here, the amount of different things that you can do with, let's say, Amari because of the two-back system, or because of Josiah, or because of this, or because of that, everything just plays off of everything else you'll start to see a change. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a difference. Even though they come from the same fundamental philosophies, there's a fundamental difference because of you know slight differences in their own personal philosophies, their own personal styles, but also largely because of the teams that they have. So Bruce says, thoughts on Rodgers and Packers coming to a mutual agreement that he plays this year and announced this will be his last year and then they will trade him. How would you feel about this? Me personally, I wouldn't really mind. It's sort of a, it's kind of a strange thing because you got to get down to the fundamentals of why are we doing what we're doing? Why, what does Rodgers want? Because it's, you know how I feel about compromise. I'm not a fan. And this sounds like a compromise. Like, look, you give us what we want and we're going to give you what you want, a championship, and you're going to be able to play somewhere else. It's like the perfect blend of all worlds. What do you want? If you want to leave, you don't give us another year. If you want to win, you just come back and you play out the last three years of your contract. You don't do halfway. You don't ride the fence. Now, I, I could understand it from a standpoint of it's a compromise because the Packers are saying we're not going to trade you. And so Roger says, all right, look, I'll give you one more year, but I want a, a commitment that that we're going to be traded. Now, I don't know if you can actually put that in writing or how that would work or if it would be a gentleman's agreement or whatever. I doubt they would want to do that. I just, I think it's unlikely. It's not a bad thing because it, it is sort of an everyone wins. I just don't really see it being that way. Um, I think it's more of a hardline position from Aaron Rodgers. He wants what he wants. And if he's going to come back, he'll come back. If he's not, he's not. And it also like, what does that do for the year? You know what I mean? Like this isn't your home. You know, you're leaving, you know, you're going somewhere else. You have a vested interest in somewhere and, and the Packers don't want his attention being somewhere else. Obviously he still wants to win a Super Bowl. It just, it's a weird thing. And then the fan base is looking at Rodgers kind of sideways. You know, every bad pass is like, it's because he's leaving, right? Or, you know, it's just weird stuff, which isn't true, but we're still upset about it. I don't know. I, I don't think there may be somewhat of an understanding, but I don't think it'll be an official thing. Um, Terrell, Terrell says, what are your expectations for MVS coming into a contract year? It's funny because when I read the first part of that, I just kind of thought, nah, I don't expect much. There was some kind of a guttural reaction, though, when you said contract year. In other words, there was something in me going, don't don't brush over that. Because <laughs> a lot of times it doesn't mean anything, but sometimes it does. And MVS is the kind of guy where he has a certain skill set, and I don't trust MVS necessarily. I mean, he, he's the kind of guy that'll show up in three or four games a year. I mean, big time show up. He'll have four big games. And the rest of the time, he's he's forgettable. But he's also got a certain particular set of skills that if the stars align, I mean, if he's really on point, and he really wants to make a bunch of money. And let's just say Aaron Rodgers does come back. Because you know Rodgers is, he's all about his guys. And if MVS comes to him like, look, dude, I'm, I'm making some money this year. This is my year. I'm you Just be looking. Keep your eyes up because I'm going to get open. Rodgers is the kind of guy that can get the ball there. MVS is the kind of guy that if he could put the skills where they need to be, he could get it done. There's never been a question about him being athletically gifted. It's just about putting it all together. So you know, are my expectations high? No. But MVS, maybe above and beyond a lot of other people, has that ability to really just take the world by storm. Again, I don't expect it. But if it happened to be one of those things, I sit back and go, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> because I mean, it's MVS. So it's it's interesting. It is interesting that he's coming into a contract year. We'll see how it goes. The other thing to, to consider, though, even if it's not Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, Jordan Love is a different quarterback that plays a different style of football, and he can build rapport and relations with different players. I mean, sometimes you're just in rhythm with other guys. A lot of those passes to MVS, let's be honest, it was Rogers' fault. I mean, MVS has had some drop issues, but there have been a massive amount of passes to MVS that just didn't get where they needed to be, um, and that's on Rodgers. So, you know, I guess we'll see. It's it's definitely an interesting question. Robert says, will the Lions go 0-17 this year? At least Stafford was a decent quarterback. I've thought about that. I really think there's a good chance they do. They'll probably sneak one out. but And again, I respect the Lions for what they're doing. I think they're doing it the right way. I don't understand trading Stafford for golf. I think that was kind of stupid. I think you just full-on tank and, and tear down and rebuild. The, the golf thing is a hiccup. You're You're giving up value. For him, that should go in another direction. I do think Stafford is massively better than Goff. I really do. I think Stafford was able to, even if you saw them on a similar tier, look at what Stafford was playing with compared to Goff. Goff has had one of the greatest offensive minds, great offensive line, great wide receivers, great tight end, great running back. Stafford has had terrible offensive line, horrific coaches and offensive coordinators, terrible organizations in general. He has had some good wide receivers at times. Obviously Megatron being one of the greatest of all time. I don't know if he's ever had a good running back. The defenses have been beyond subpar. Um I really think there's a very good chance the more I thought about it of the the Rams just being very good. Uh not that Stafford is necessarily ever going to be Rodgers or whatever, but I mean just take his raw ability and 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 get a guy like mcveigh and and the and look the rams offense has been deteriorating even the the weapons and the offensive line and all that but i still think he's in a much better situation and then you take golf who basically had one good year under uh lafleur if we're being honest and kind of just fell off after lafleur left and um has been declining ever since and now he's going to a team that does not have the number one defense does not have the same wide receivers um, offensive line is is maybe about the same when you figure the Lions have improved it and the Rams have been declining, but um, yeah, I think they took a big step back. I think they, they've they've been seen as largely similar quarterbacks, but I don't think that's the case. I think Stafford has consistently been a better and is a better quarterback, and I think the Rams took a step forward and I think the Lions took a massive step backwards. And again, they're in different positions. The Lions are say, or the the Rams are saying let's go all in and try to win, and I think Stafford's a guy that can get us over the hump. I don't know if that's true or not, but. They think he's good enough with what we already have to get us there. Goff, um, again, he's kind of a placeholder. I just thought he was an expensive placeholder. That was kind of unnecessary. But whatever. They they did what they needed to do. Um, so can they go 100%? They, they could. I don't think they will because it's it's almost as hard to go 0-17 as it is to go 17-0. Not that we would know because we've never had 17-0 or 0-17. But, um, I mean, they're just bad, man. They're, they're just bad. And, I, you know... I, Again, I'm not saying it just to be a jerk. I actually respect what they're doing because I think that they're building the right way. They're heading in the right direction. They're starting in the trenches with the defensive line, offensive line. Um, they're really going to be poor. They're going to get a probably a really good, a really high pick, and they're going to get one of the top quarterbacks next year in the draft. And they're going to continue to build. And again, you know I'm a massive fan of John Dorsey. I think he's already building in the right way. I think they're going to continue to do that. Um, but this year, I think they're going to be putrid, horrible, awful. And... Um, I just, I, I, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. Jesse says with that echo, I definitely should have asked for Ryan to ringside announce Bruce Buffer style, a fight between Rogers and Murphy. That is, that is pretty funny. And I just went to the hardware store today and I didn't get the tape to hang this stuff. I should do that tomorrow. I feel bad because the guy gave me a gift and I, all I got to do is get some, some tape or something to hang this up. The only you know, problem is I don't want to ruin the walls in here, but it shouldn't be that bad. Just got to get the right stuff. But if I can just hang... I really hope it works, too, because it is that echo is brutal. It's kind of sad that when I first started with just a cheap little $30 headset, the audio quality was better than it currently is. But we're going to get there. Going to be doing this podcast for another 700 years, so don't worry about it. Just a blip in the road. (laughs) Eric says, So if Rogers plays poorly when he has a girlfriend and is holding out after getting engaged, what happens if he gets married? Will he go play for the Bears? I mean, I can't find a flaw in the logic, right? So, I mean, at least in terms of the uh, allegations, right? He has girlfriends and he plays poorly. Uh, now, after he gets engaged, he's ready to leave. After he gets married, I mean, what, where do we go from here that gets worse? It's got to be the Bears, right? Maybe that's what's going to happen. I don't know when the date is scheduled for. I know they got engaged. Maybe that's what's going to happen. They're going to tie the knot. Maybe they're Maybe they're doing that. I mean, we didn't know they got engaged. That kind of got sprung out of nowhere. How do we know that they didn't get married in Hawaii or something? Has anybody seen a picture recently, looked at their ring fingers? Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting, worth noting, uh, to see. I don't know how that would work as far as the Packers needing to trade him there, but I'm sure there would be some kind of a uh, black magic that would take place after he gets married that would just allow him to play for the Chicago Bears, and he'd probably play until he's 55. The same black magic that Tom Brady uses to get all of the things that he does. So, uh, Eric, I think you're 100% correct. Thank you very much. And then finally, this is the last question, and I think I'm going to go back in and solicit some more because I just like doing Q&As, especially in the offseason. They're fantastic questions, and it gives me some just an opportunity to talk. We've been going a while, but I just want to get this last question here. Jim says, number one, and I don't know how many of these numbers we're going to get through, but we'll start with number one. What kind of a deal should the Packers offer Rodgers? How far should they go to keep him on the team? I'd say nothing that can't get out of within a year, uh, but do you think they'll get considerably further than that, and do you think Rodgers would take a pile of cash to play for the Packers for one or two more years? So this is the big question, right? This is What what would it take? Um, I don't know if you believe the reports, but the reports are they offered to make him the highest-paid quarterback in football, which, again, I still really have a hard time believing because Mahomes has <laughs> got a pretty massive... I mean, it depends. Are we, are we talking on a per-year basis? Because that would be ridiculous. But the point is, if you use the word should... I think anything that I would say is a should, Rodgers, I guarantee, has already. For example, I think a great deal for Rodgers is the contract he currently has. I don't want to give him more. Um, and as you said, it should be something that we can get out of in a year. That's, that's what he doesn't want, and that's the contract he has now. If we give him any kind of an extension or anything like that, he's going to be locked in for more time. So, you know, if we just stick in the realm of should, then, then I, I got nothing for you. And then you get into what would it take, and and again, that's what I don't know. Is it money? He says it's not. The rumors are that they've offered him money, and he said no, so what do we do? The only other thing that's hanging out there is the idea, and I don't know if I believe it, but it's, again, the idea that he wants um, Murphy or Gutekunst gone. I, I, I don't know if any of these things are true. I tend to think Rogers is just saying, I want out, and there's nothing you can do. But um, there's speculation that he just wants more money. He wants Gutekunst gone. He wants all these things. I don't really buy it. I think he just wants to leave. It is possible that the reports about money are incorrect and that he really just wants a different contract. And if they offer it to him, he'll stay. I don't know. But I I can't dream up a contract that I'd be comfortable with giving Aaron Rodgers other than the one that he has. And even that one makes me uncomfortable. But, you know, we gave it to him. And uh, if he wants to come back, then we'll honor it. But obviously, he doesn't seem too interested in that. And then number two, and I've touched on this several times and I never know how to answer it, but if a trade is inevitable with Rodgers, what do you think our record will be with Jordan Love? I don't know, but I'm going to say 10 wins. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say 10 wins. Um, And I know a lot of people are going to shake their head, but again, I don't know. It depends on Jordan Love. If he's horrible, it's nowhere near 10 wins. If he's good, it's 10 wins. If he's great, it's 14 wins, 15 wins. I don't know. I love our roster. That's the point. That's that's the starting point. I mean, do that with any team, right? Take the Chicago Bears. Look at their roster for what it is and then say, what's the Bears record going to be? Now, granted, they're apparently starting Andy Dalton, but let's just pretend that that only happens for a week or two. And again, those are relatively easy games for them to win, even with Dalton. What's their record going to be? I don't know. It almost entirely depends on Justin Fields. If Justin Fields is an elite quarterback... They could be a 13 win team. If he's a horrific quarterback, there may be a five win team. If that quarterback is too big of a variable, right? I mean, if you want to talk about um, what's a team that's been largely the, the, the Vikings with, uh, I don't know, who did they add? Somebody that nobody cares about. The point is, you have a good idea of what the Vikings are because even the, the moving pieces, we kind of have a good idea of, of a floor or ceiling. Quarterback is way too hard to gauge, but I am going to be an optimist, and I'm not necessarily an optimist by nature, but I do love our roster. Um, I do think Jordan Love is, you know, I, I think he's probably going to struggle like every young quarterback does, and I think there'll probably be some issues as far as probably some more interceptions and things like that, but I also think he has some serious talent, and I think that he has a good enough supporting cast to where we can lean on the run game, where we can lean on the dink and dunk with the tight ends and with Amari Rodgers and those kinds of things to give him the easy completions, and and again in college he did rely on that a lot. And I thought he did a good job of just moving the sticks, being efficient, moving the ball, and I think Matt Lafleur is built for that, and he built a team that's built for that. To where um, it's just a very quick and efficient offense. You know, remember w- when every play looks the same, so the the defense is not reacting at first. So there's going to be a slight hesitation, which is going to give you a small but prominent window to dump that ball off to the tight end that you thought was blocking but slipped out, the running back you thought was running but didn't, and now has slipped out, the wide receiver who you thought was blocking and then slipped. You know what I mean? There's these quick little, you thought I was doing this, but I'm not, and the linebacker, he's reacting, right? Now he sees it, but there's a slight window of about, you know, seven feet of being open, right? He's pretty wide open. Dump the ball off, let him go get yards. And not everything can be that way, but, but we know Jordan Love has the ability. He has the arm. He has the rushing ability. We have the running ability. We, we, there's plenty there to where, again, if he's real bad, you can't mask that. If he's just good, I mean, even like Jared Goff, the Rams look pretty good under Goff with Matt LaFleur, with the supporting cast and all that stuff. So I'll just say 10, but, I mean, it's it's a massive range because quarterback is just too massive of a variable to just guess at. So I don't know. But anyways, with that, I'm going to let you go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic uh, Saturday, I think, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.